Hi everyone, welcome back to Love, Sex and Magic with me, Mel Wells, and I'm so excited for this episode because I'm sitting down with one of my dearest and nearest girlfriends, Candice Vandell, and we have a really vulnerable chat about relationships and heartbreak and trauma and emotional wounding and narcissism and (laughs) trauma and all of the things. Um, Specifically, we talk about shadow work and the golden shadow, which is Candice's expertise right now. So for the past 10 years, Candice has used her extraordinary gift of intuition and insight to assist people from all over the world in their own inner healing and awakening to their inner truth. She offers a new spiritual perspective and teaches her spiritual fitness tools from her workbooks that facilitate empowerment and a consistent connection to the true self. She also teaches four online courses that facilitate inner child healing, tribal wound awareness, which we speak about, emotional wound integration, and next level shadow work. So guys, I think you're going to get a lot from this episode, especially if you need some help healing and looking at your relationship wounding patterns. So let's dive in. Candice, thank you so much for being here and being my guest on Love, Sex, and Magic. I'm so happy to be here. I just adore you. It's going to be so fun. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited for this. This has been a long time coming, and we were just um, reminiscing before we hit record on, like, how we met all Mm -hmm. these many years ago. And, um, yeah, it was, like, like many beautiful friendships in my life through Instagram. (laughs) And um, can you recall how how this occurred? Oh, you yeah. reached out to me, right? I did. I, I think it was, I mean, it must have been like eight years ago or something. It must have been. Um, I had just written a book and I randomly, you popped up in my Instagram like, oh, this chick looks cool. You were blonde. You looked totally different at the time. You were like all bubbly talking about food and nutrition back then. And I thought she knows what she's talking about. And you're talking about wanting to publish your book with Hay House. And I reached out over DM, which is one of the first times I probably ever did that. I just felt really comfortable with you. And I reached out and I said, hey, what are the steps? And you're like, oh, let me give you this download. I'm publishing a book. And this is what you do. And I'm like, what? It was so helpful. And that was the beginning. And then we had an Instagram yeah. friendship. Yeah. Which is so unusual. Like, that is so unusual. And I obviously get just tons of messages like, all the time and for some reason we just had this insane sister connection and then we hung out and spent a bunch of time together in um in LA and recently reconnected uh both of us have been through pretty uh pretty huge breakups recently and do you know what's so weird is like I, you didn't even tell me that you'd been through a breakup and I felt you and I didn't tell you that I'd been through a breakup and you felt me and we both reconnected and we were like hey we need to talk. <laughs> I, even, I have to reiterate how weird it was because I don't even know if I told you this part because we've been talking now for a while again, but every time we reconnect, it's from some divine intervention because I had been looking at your page for like a couple of days and I'm like, God, where'd Mel go? Like we haven't talked in a while. And you DM'd me and you're like, yeah, I, I, I felt you There's something. You're like, I think I am too. The same thing. I'm like, yeah. we got to talk. And it was literally yeah. a very similar experience. <laughs> so crazy because when we both we both were like we feel we feel each other we feel that we're going through the same thing let's connect we got on zoom and there were so many similarities in both of our experiences that it was like what 
yeah we had like full body goosebumps um each other this is crazy (laughs) yeah it's so it's so wild but at the same time it's like of course this is what happens when you're very intuitive right you just you just feel people and you can just feel when someone's going through something and, and needs a sister you can't help it. And one of the things about being highly intuitive that I've had to really make peace with in my life is I will feel things like days before they happen, like feeling you, feeling you thinking of me, then you're reaching out to me. It happens all the time. And oftentimes I'll feel something and I don't have anything to put it on, like where, where am I going to land this feeling yet? And what I've learned is just trust it because it's going to be good. I never get intuition that's bad. And if I do, it's not something I really think about in the same way. So I think it's kind of cool because it just was huge confirmation that your soul family is around you and feeling you. You don't have to worry about it. It's funny. I actually have had experiences with like intuition that is bad, like premonitions. Like I felt like intuitive and it kind of, I just feel like sometimes I have, I'll have a day where I'm filled with um, anxiety for no reason. And I'm like, something is coming, something is happening. And I can usually visualize roughly what that is. And then like that day I'll find out something or something will come through and I'll be like, I felt that this was coming. You know, you do it exactly the same way that I do it. I will have extreme anxiety, but the reason I meet, when I say I don't have the same feeling about good things, because when I was feeling you, it wasn't that feeling. It was like, yeah, yeah, same, same, same. Um, but yeah, I'll get the same experience. We'll have like extreme anxiety and I will even tell like whatever partner I'm with that used to be my husband, I would be like, something's happening in the next couple of days. Now he got used to me and he's like, Oh God, what's going to be? And I'm like, I don't know. It's big. And it would always be something very clear. And I'm like, Oh shoot, at least I prepared for it energetically before it hit me, but it's true. And then you see how everything's kind of for our growth anyway. So it's not super bad, but you can feel it. And then you can kind of prepare energetically, like, okay, I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to ground myself. Like, I know something's coming. It's not. Yeah. And I've, like, been able to recently, like, what I'm learning to do is not just, because what I used to do was, like, am I just anxious? Am I just an anxious person? Am I just, am I, like, imagining things? Am I going crazy? And now I'm, like, no, I'm learning to actually trust that that is a signal. That is a sign. That is a that is a thing. And I recently learned in um, numerology um, that my life, my life path is 11. My life destiny is um, 11 as well. And this is like basically my gift that I have to harness in this lifetime is my psychic ability. Well, you're on track. I just got you. <laughs> but it's true. I call it the wise guide inside. I don't know what my life – I know my life path number. What did you say? Your life destiny number. Yeah, there's two. There's life path and life destiny. Yeah. So I know my life path is nine, which is integrity and wisdom. But I don't know – I would love to know. Yeah. I'll hook you up with my girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So babe, can you share with everyone, like, have you always known that you've got these, this intuitive gifts? Have you always been on this spiritual path? Like what was some of the big moments in your life, you know, be it traumatic or painful or challenging that kind of woke you up to this path? So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just talk about the first specific instance, which I talk about a lot. So if you guys have watched my videos, I'm sorry to annoy you, but the truth is when I was seven years old, um, 
I, I always had really big insights and I could read auras and there were just really interesting things that I could do. But then there were other things like the high sensitivity would make me unable to hold everyone else's energy. I didn't really understand how to vocalize that. And sometimes I would have temper tantrums and sometimes I would daydream. And my mom started wondering what the heck, something's different about this kid. She gets really sensitive. She can't wear anything except for sweatpants. She can't wear the color red, like weird things. So they brought me to a psychiatrist and said, oh, she's highly intelligent, but she has ADHD. Let's put her on Ritalin and she won't feel all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I knew that day in the office, I felt like my soul dropped out of me and I felt like, what am I going to do? I know that they're taking something from me right now. And now I know that that can be controversial because a lot of people like that. They like having the medication that helps them focus. It didn't do that for me. For me, it made me feel numb. It made me feel insecure and doubt what this was that I felt. It made me feel like they were taking my life force in a way. And I don't blame anyone for it because that's what they thought was right to do at the time. But that was the first time that I started dropping into this experience of what's going on here at that age. And they would take me off the drugs in the summer so I could grow because it was stunting my growth a lot. And during the summer, I would just excel and I'd have really um, just an amazing time. And then back to school and I'd be like, "Uh oh, time to be drugged. But that was the first thing. And then as a teenager, when my parents got divorced, my dad started dating this healer. And this woman, I'll never forget, um, she came to me. She said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a healer. You're gifted. And I was like, she sees me. Oh, my God. The first time someone's really seeing me in that way. And she would have me draw out my dreams. And we would go to, like, spiritual ceremony. It was very, very cool stuff. And um, she changed my life. Yeah. Um, But when they broke up, it was terrible because then I had to kind of navigate it on my own, which probably was meant to be because I just got obsessed with like spiritual law and what's going on and what is this thing they say I have? It's not really what I have and and all of that. And that really started me on the journey of society or universal law. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's powerful. (laughs) And I remember when we first connected, um, I heard your story and you were sharing about the ADHD world. And it just blew my mind. I'd not heard this before. And I remember you saying that ADHD also stands for attention dialed into a higher dimension. Yeah. Which just like blew my mind. I was like, that is exactly it. Because ADHD um, kids and people are so extremely intelligent and so uh, attuned as well. It's like, they're like, I think some of the world's geniuses um, have ADHD. Yeah, I will say there's this video um, I watched from Abraham Hicks many years ago. Actually, right, probably right when you came to visit me in Malibu, I was watching this video. I remember standing in my kitchen and she was talking about it. And she, he, Abraham, said exactly what I had felt since I was a child, that these children are born very dialed into their own insight and intuition. And when they're pulled off of alignment, they freak out. It feels very weird. It feels scary. Like, For instance, one of my gifts obviously is spirituality and healing, and they don't have that in school. So when I'm forced to be in school and do things that do not cater to what I feel I'm really here to do and what I really want to do, it creates a disconnect and discord. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if we can just have specialized classes instead of special ed classes, right, And, and really help these children to specialize in the extreme force, it's almost like a force of creativity in many different directions. You know, some people are going to be like Einstein. Some people are going to be thought leaders, but they have the ability to really hyper-focus. We're told that we can't 
you know, be in attention because we're not being given attention to the right thing. We're being taken away from what we really want to give our attention to. And I'm not saying this is for everyone. This is my experience and experiences of people that I've coached and that, you know, watch my stuff and comment. But truly, the reason I'm so passionate about it is it was what created so many emotional wounds in me of uncertain identity and not understanding why the the teachers and the people around me weren't getting it. They were misunderstanding in such a deep way that when we don't have that mirror of what we truly are, we start to think there's something wrong with us and that we're bad and that we're flawed and all this shit that is completely not true. But we're continually told you have a disorder. No, Mm -hmm. the system is not the order that we came here to fulfill. So of course there's a discord in that order. But yeah, that's a lot. I just, that's just the beginning. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Let's dive more into these um, emotional wounds, right? So you talk a lot about healing our emotional wounds, healing our inner child wounds and how, when we don't do that, that can lead us into toxic relationships as, as just, you know, one, you know, main thing that a lot of people are playing out. Where can people like kind of start to begin to do that work and identify these wounds? So look at your patterns and look at your triggers and also the voice inside your head. So often we have attached to a parental voice or an authority voice because ours has been so drowned out or we never even found it. And when that happens, we don't get that mirroring or that emotional validation that we need as children. We look externally and we lose ourselves even more and more and more and we become dependent and codependent, which falls into codependent relationships. You know, falls into attracting narcissistic types and things like this who are also wounded. And truly what I learned through my own journey of healing all these emotional wounds is that When we stop projecting the things that are in our shadow onto other people, we can see who we truly are and then we can see who they truly are. And then we can have the discernment and the boundaries to not go there, to end those patterns, to, you know, really work with our, I always say, get real about how you feel so you can heal, feel the triggers and rise up into a neutral observer and realize that's not what's happening to you now. It happened in the past or it's part of you. It's not your identity. Your emotional pain is not your identity it's stuck. It needs to be released and it needs to be honored and validated. And that's when you stop continuing these patterns of these addictive type relationships that you think are going to fill you because there's something with you that's in the shadow. It's missing. Mm. Let's go more into this, into this shadow work piece. When you say like, it's in you, it's in your shadow, like explain this to people that like are kind of hearing this for the first time. Like, what does that mean? So shadow work is really integrating all parts of self. A lot of people have heard in psychology that it's the dark shadow, right? It's the part of us that we've rejected, abandoned, thought was bad. A hundred percent it's that. But once I did all that shadow work, I realized there was a golden shadow. The part of me that I was afraid to own, the power, the part that was gifted, the part that did experience joy and was shiny. And, you know, it's really scary for us to think that we're not wounded when we've been identifying with that for so long. Mm-hmm. And really what happens with that is you'll notice what kind of people you're jealous of, what kind of people inspire you, what kind of people annoy you. And jealousy is a big part of this because whoever you're jealous of or you envy, that's the part of you you're not tapped into. That's the potential that's in the golden shadow that you're not allowing because you're afraid. You feel it's not safe to do that. 
You feel like I don't deserve to do that. There's all these beliefs around why you're not in your shine. And I'm going to guarantee most people listening to this have something in them saying that's not safe. Or I don't even know what that is. Or, well, I don't know what would happen if I did that. If I didn't control things, I just surrendered to trusting myself. Oh, my God. What would happen? Mm. Exactly. And how, how would you say that like that kind of can show up in relationships, let's say like relational patterns that people keep playing out? Oh, I can tell you all about that. (laughs) So (laughs) one very dear, close to my heart pattern that I used to have was I used to project my power onto men and date powerful men because it wasn't safe for me to be in my power as a child, right? I was, you know, Ritalin, all that stuff. Don't be so, you know, I was very strong-willed. So instead of owning that, I would project it so I could feel it, right? If it's not in me, it's in you so we can be whole when we're together, codependent. Mm. Mm -mm. So I would date these powerful men. And when I got to the point of really integrating my golden shadow, because it started hurting me and it started feeling like, I just want to be me. I just want to be me. Like the more inner work you do, the more you're like, I can't deny that this is just who I am. And when I started realizing all these things that I had um, maybe dimmed down or, you know, just ignored. And I started feeling safe to be these beautiful things. I started seeing myself as I was. I started seeing the partners, let's say, as they are. And then when you become your own safety and your own power, you're like, okay, now that I'm there and I don't need anything outside of me, what do I actually want? Mm -hmm. And that's when life starts to change because all this alignment starts happening. You're like, shit, I have to get rid of my safety zones to be my own safety Am I courageous enough or willing to do that? Can I do it on my own? Can I love myself enough? Can I just be what I'm here to be? Is that enough? Is that going to work? All those questions. And for me, I was like, yeah, let's just do it. I'd been through enough loss where there was nothing to lose. And I said, yeah, let's just do it. Mm. Beautiful. So like if someone is like single, like how can you tell the difference between like how, how would you discern between like just having this amazing attraction with someone and like, how do you know, like, how can you spot whether it is like an, a genuine, like I am whole and complete and I desire this person versus I am attracted to something that is missing within me. Mm. Intention. So newly single, I will meet people and I'll say, okay, what is it I'm attracted to and why? Getting real Mm -hmm. with yourself. Why am I attracted to that? Am I trying to feel something, feel better about myself? Am I bored? Do I just think they're inspiring? What I've noticed as I've done so much of the shadow work now is I'm really attracted to people that have um, strong aspects that I have. Like literally Mm -hmm. want to date yourself. It sounds weird, but it's kind of true. Like nothing to fill, but there's things to compliment, let's say. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come from like this severe attraction of, oh my God, like a drug. It will never feel like that. It will feel intense and exciting, but it also feels like if I'm not with them, I'm not freaking out. And really more of a secure attachment, I guess I would say. It's not this insecure, disorganized attachment of what happens when we have a wound that's not fulfilled. And when the wound has been healed or it is healing, because we're always healing at different levels, you can be with yourself and feel the same as if you're with them because you can calm yourself and you're not needing that thing to fill you. But that's fun. I want to go find, I want to go do that. But I don't need to go do that because I can do that with myself or friends. It's that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not completing you. It's complimenting yeah. you. I like that. It's complimenting you. And I like that you said, um, 
that it's it, it's an equal. You desire an equal, someone to match you where you are, not someone to give you something that you don't have, um, which I think is what we do when we are, you know, projecting our father, you know, masculine figure onto the people that we meet. And that intention of like, what is it that I'm attracted to right now? What is it that I'm wanting to feel? Um, I think is so important. And like another thing for me recently has been like, what does this feeling remind me of? Like, what does this attraction remind me of? Like, when have I felt this before? And was that experience positive? Like, what did that, how did that play out? Because patterns do tend to repeat themselves and we can learn a lot from actually just going back and looking at our history. Oh my God, that's huge because you know, even thinking about, oh, I'm attracted to this person. Oh, if you have issues, especially father wounds, right? In shadow work, there's mm-hmm. mother wounds, father wounds, tribal wounds, original wounds, lots of wounds going on, societal wounds. So if you're dating someone, you're thinking, oh, I finally want to be cherished because dad never cherished me. Really click into that and be like, okay, I'm going to be dependent on that person to cherish me. And it's going to ruin the relationship. Yeah. So I'm going to cherish me while I try to have this relationship. And it's mm-hmm. really... We can do that with ourselves. We can give ourselves the thing that we think that person's going to give us. So it it changes the charge. You know, it doesn't mm. make it survival. It makes it more mm. like excitement and we'll see. Mm. And the more you fill yourself, I'm not saying you need to fill yourself completely because we all need or love to have love. It's a, you know, human desire to be connected to another, but it has to come from a place of what I feel is more peaceful and calming, but equally exciting just not electrifying to the point of like addicting. That's the scary, that's the scary part. I think that's like a te- a telltale sign, isn't it? That it's like um, coming from trauma or shadow when it's so intoxic- intoxicating, I would describe it as. Well, yeah, if you think about trauma, trauma shows up in extremes. Mm. So when you're like, I love that person, they're my soulmate, or I hate that person, that's trauma. You kind of want to be like, that person's lovely. That's Yeah. Right? It's a different feeling in your gut. Mm. I'm just curious to know what you think about when people say opposites attract. Because actually, like when you've just said, you know, you know, you, you end up desiring someone that has the same qualities as you. Would you say then that the old kind of thing that people say of like opposites attract, that is because people are desiring something that they don't have? that they haven't fulfilled within themselves, that they haven't learned how to be in with themselves yet. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, but I think, I think differently about it. I think, so I'll give an example. I'm pretty feminine, I would say, but I have a masculine side, right? I'm a business owner. I like, I'm driven, but I like being in my feminine a lot. And therefore I love men who are extremely masculine. I like a guy who is like a man's man who like handles shit. I just do. And it surprises some people. They think I'd want it like a highly sensitive person. No, I need someone in touch with their emotions, but I want a manly man. And that's because I don't want to have to be the man. So Mm -hmm. in a way that's opposite of the way that I'd like to be. But I think when they say opposites attract, like the the part that gets scary is if someone's like, oh, I want someone really left brain because I'm right brain. Then it's like, what part of you do you think that you don't have? Right. That's, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Like when there's two people that are like so completely different from each other, yeah. but they, but they 
they work together. That's because they complete each other. Fascinating. Ooh, okay, love this. I want to talk more about, you mentioned um, tribal wounds. Can you speak more about tribal wounds? Like what is that? How does that show up? So I really talk about things that I see throughout the years of my work that, you know, people can call it whatever they want. For me, I call it tribal wounds because I see this very specific emotional pattern in all the clients probably I've ever seen, including myself, which is if you're codependent, so is your mom and so is her mom. If you have abandonment wounds, so does your mom, so does her mom. Like the thing about it is something isn't going to happen to you unless it happened to them. If they healed it, it wouldn't be something you need to come here to heal as a light worker, let's say. So in my shadow work course, the last piece of it, there's a bonus section called why did this all have to happen? Mm-hmm. And a little piece of the answer there is because you're the one to heal it for the tribe. And what happens is every single person that works with me is like, yeah, right. It's not going to happen. And then they're like, holy shit, it happened. When you start to really heal yourself, and I mean really heal to a level, you'll start to notice your family dynamic shifting. Mm-hmm. People don't believe it. No, my mom will never change. Don't worry about your mom. Worry about you and your mother wound. And your mom will change. And what's interesting, if you really think about it, is when your role changes, the whole system needs to shift because it's not going to work the same no matter what. And that's really healing those tribal wounds is realizing also there's this thing I like to call projected shadow. A lot of highly sensitive people will take on the shadow of their parents and they don't realize that they are having toxic shame because one of the parents did not heal their shame. That's a Mm. tribal wound. And so if we take that on and don't realize it's not ours, but it is part of our journey, it makes it a lot easier. If we don't realize that we get oh my God, depressed and repressed and like, why do I have all this pain? Because they've tossed it onto you and right. it's time to give it back with a lot of boundaries and self-awareness. So true. I mean, I've really experienced in the last couple of years um, that generational healing of like me starting and like I've been on this path for like you know eight or nine years now and you know my family have kind of got it but not not really you know like I've bought the books and sent them podcast links and bought Tony Robbins tickets and no one's gone and things like that until (laughs) last year COVID hit everyone started having spiritual awakenings (laughs) my my mum was one of those people and suddenly now she's on a path and she's healing and she's working with stuff and we can have conversations that we weren't able to have before. Mm-hmm. Then my stepdad follows. Now he's like, it's all, and mm-hmm. I've not, I've not pushed it. I've not forced it. It's just, I've just let it happen. Um, but one of the things that I've started doing when I experience a um, pattern or trauma, or I recognize something within myself, one of the first, first things that I'll do now is I'll go to my mom and say, is this something that you've experienced? Or did you experience this in your relationship with my dad? You know, cause my dad passed away. Mm. So I can't directly speak to him right now, Mm. but often if I experience something in relationships or if I'm like attracted to the same kind of person, I will go to my mom and be like, Hey mom, did you, did, did dad do this kind of thing? Did, was, was this a pattern in your relationship? Nine times out of 10? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I, I didn't remember, I didn't have visceral memories of, of seeing that as a child, but it got absorbed somehow. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's the emotional imprint. 
Truly. Yes. Before the age of eight, we have an emotional imprint where we start feeling what emotion is going on in the home mm-hmm. happening. And I see the same exact thing. Actually, my mother and I had this huge awakening about four or five years ago as well. And it's when I did a lot of clearing of the dark shadow. It was crazy. And now I would consider her one of my best friends. And we were talking the other day about abandonment. Because I was telling her about the father wound section in my course. And she's like, you know, because my father has not been in my life for a decade. And I actually think it's a gift because I think if he was, I wouldn't have gone as far as I did or healed as deep as I have. But I told her, I said, you know, it was really gnarly to have the whole family abandon us when there was a divorce. She goes, well, my whole family abandoned me too. And I was like, mm-hmm. they did. Course, yeah. <laughs> they did. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For different yeah. reasons, but similar, very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like when I have these conversations with my mom as well, it's not even just limited to like, um, you know, my dad, her relationships. It's like her father and then her mom's father. And it just keeps going back. Right. And, you know, I had a really painful, um, breakup, as you know, a few months ago, which we've talked about in, in length. Um, but what occurred in that breakup, like the, the exact things that played out in that breakup, feeling abandoned, feeling replaced by another woman. These are exact things that my mom experienced and they are exact things that my grandma experienced. So, and even, and I even knew it, like when it was happening, babe, even in the middle of all of it, I knew that this was my medicine. Like I knew that this was my um, this was my path. Like I was like, Oh, of course this is happening. My deepest fears combined are happening right now together so that I can move through it and heal it for the women to come and for the women that have been before me and for everyone else (laughs) that's witnessing it. Um, as well as for myself, I really felt like, Oh, this was always going to happen, but now I get to, now I get to clear that pattern. Isn't it interesting how I'm the same as you in this way? I've always known that my biggest fear had to happen. Mm-hmm. And when it actually did happen the last two years, it wasn't, it was, it was, it, it was almost, it was terrible. It was actually the worst thing I've ever been through. Right. And I think you can probably yeah. parallel that. But at the same time, it opened me up. It broke me open to this point of fearlessness, but also realizing this part of me, right? I see you doing it too with this self-love, this part of me that I'm deeply in love with, that something else was in the way of. The fear. Fear was in the way of that. And when you really face your biggest fears, there's nothing in the way. Yeah, that's so that's so true. I had the same realization of like, oh my God, I'm literally living in my worst nightmare right now. And I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm doing okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Like, sure. Like I, I struggled for a while through it and obviously like was, you know, obviously in the pits, but then I learned how to be a human again. And now I'm thriving and have reclaimed all these beautiful parts of myself that I didn't even realize I had been holding on to heaviness before. So, um, such a Mm -hmm. gift, such a gift. But at the time it's like, why is this happening to me? Like, and it's also like, but I knew you were going to do this. I knew that this was going to happen. Like this was Mm -hmm. because it's the worst, it's the worst fear. And it's, it's the fear for a reason. Well, it's that ego death, right? It's like, you forget that you're capable 
of so much. And you don't really want to know. You kind of want to know that I'm capable of something like that. But you do learn. And then you realize, okay, I just went through hell. Part of me kind of died a little bit. But then you're right. You realize that the heaviness that you had on you, you don't realize it wasn't you, number one. But number two, you realize all these parts of yourself that you get to reclaim to be whole. And so often we don't know this because I think we're kind of trained this way too, but we subconsciously put parts of ourselves on hold to be there for others and others needs. And we just naturally don't realize, oh, I would actually really love to do that, but I won't because it's for the the whole yeah. of us. You know? It's, it's interesting. So true. Yeah. That's so true. I realized that I did that. I realized that I um, it, it kind of told myself a story of, oh, this part of me, I've grown out of that part of me now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I told myself. Oh, I've, I've, I've graduated from that. I don't do that anymore. I've grown out of that. And now I'm like, oh no, that's definitely a part of me still. Like I, I wasn't ready to give that up, but I did for the sake of the relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting you say that, which I totally agree. I think also we do things to keep safe because we don't realize we're totally safe within. And so we're like, yeah, I'll give that up so the relationship is safe. And what we don't realize is the most safe relationship is where you don't have to compromise what you are, who you are. Yes. You're like doing, you know, it really has to be this radical acceptance of self. And then you start to attract someone who radically accepts you. I've noticed that as well, mm-hmm. where when we don't have, like I think back to 10 years ago, when I wasn't totally in radical self-acceptance, I really needed someone around me to do it for me. And then I realized, wait a minute, it doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like what I want to feel, right? So we truly have to do it for ourselves. And when we do it for ourselves, which we're afraid to, because things might change, it's actually the thing you always wanted anyway. So there is no fear. Right? In the right relationship, there's no fear of losing someone. There's no fear of like not being enough. There's nothing because you're already you and you refuse to not be you. Unapologetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go back to what you said earlier in this conversation as well about like how when you, you you want to meet someone where it's like, oh, they're lovely, you know, rather than like this insane attraction. Can you speak more about that? Because I imagine there's people listening that like have only ever been able to entertain partners where that it, there is that like intense attraction um, and anyth- everything else seems boring. Oh my gosh. Do you know how many women come to me and they're like, Candace, um, I don't even know what healthy relationships look like or feel like. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. But it is true because we think it's got to be, you know, I mean, look at like fairy tales and look at love stories on TV. Mm-hmm. Well, fairy tales escape you, right? It's escapism. Yeah. It escapes you from your pain. So what do you want? Extreme. You want that intense, crazy stuff so that you don't have to feel what's really going on, which is maybe you're bored or maybe you're scared or whatever it is. Or maybe you just want something to try that's new. But the thing is that, and I've noticed this in my past, I remember this one interaction where it was intense and it was like so exciting. And I caught myself and I was like, <laughs> stop, Candace. I know too much about this. Well, not but like two days later, this guy did some crazy thing. And I'm like, oh, narcissistic. Got it. Awesome. And I was like, <laughs> not talking ever again. But most women are like, they don't know what that looks like. 
Mm. They've had a father like that or their mother was into that or whatever. They don't know what it looks like. They don't know the signs of someone who's about to gaslight you or about to ghost you or about to do crazy things. And when you start Mm. to understand that psychology and what is going on with their wounding, you can stop thinking that it's a match to your own wounding that thinks I deserve that. Give us the rundown. What are the signs that you just said? Like, what are the signs of a narcissist? What are the signs of gaslighting? Go on. So it can get tricky because narcissists can be really, really good at love bombing for a really long time until they don't. And so what really happens is they love bomb you, but I can see like very specific little things, like little red flags that they don't know they're giving where I'll be like, oh, that felt selfish. Like my inner guidance is totally wired to narcissists. So I'm like, oh, they're selfish or that's weird. He didn't call me back when he said he would. Or, but you stop questioning yourself and you start realizing, oh, that felt weird. And you question mm. them. And if they can't handle your questions, like, what are you talking about? That's gaslighting. That didn't happen. Of course, I called you back. No, you actually didn't. You got to get gnarly. Women, mm-hmm. men, you got to get gnarly and be like, no, you actually didn't do that. And they may say you're annoying and all those things. This is why I have to do the inner work because you know you're not annoying. You know what you deserve. You know that that's mm-hmm. not it. And you think it's strange. And for instance, if someone comes on really strong, really fast, who else are they doing that to at the same time? Mm-hmm. Why do they need to fill themselves so quickly? You know, it should be a slow burn. Sometimes it's really quick and then it slows down because it's comfortable. And what I tell a lot of people is get emotional intimacy first. Get really intimate with your own emotions so you can feel stuff and trust what you feel. And then do not share shit with that person until you can trust them emotionally. Mm -hmm. It takes time to build that emotional trust. But those of us who are kind of like diehard romantics, we're like, that's my husband. That's my wife. Totally. I, agree. I think it's, I agree. Like, I think it's not good to share like all of your feelings with someone straight away. And, you know, in my experience as well, if you are dealing with someone who does have those traits, they can actually use, use that against you. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know? And I think the worst thing that the worst feeling I've, one of the worst feelings that I've ever experienced is like having my intuition gaslit. And I have experienced this uh, several times of like, you're crazy. You're imagining things like that. That didn't happen. And I'm like, I know that I'm right. <laughs> I just, my body tells me this is my intuition. Stop gaslighting my intuition. Like I know what I feel and I know that I'm not crazy. And then later on, what do you know? Obviously I was right. Obviously my intuition was spot on and they have to go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But looking at the bigger picture, what you told me at the beginning is that your life, what is it? Destiny is to really hone in on your intuition. So these are perfect lessons for like major love lessons, really. Cause that's the hardest thing is like heart stuff. Right. So this is perfect for you to like build to the next level. Thank you. Thank you guys. You know, <laughs> Building, you'd be like, boom, I was right. And then the next time you're never going to even think twice. You'd be like, oh, I know the type I'm I'm attracting because of this being my lesson, not my wounding. This is your lesson to get stronger and stronger and stronger to be like, mm, one of those. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. doesn't reflect anything on you because the only thing that's reflecting in you is you're in training for this huge hardcore intuition that you're strengthening. Yeah. yeah. I feel that stronger and stronger each day. Oh, I adore you, babe. You're such a sister. I really, really appreciate you. Um, So three questions that I love to ask um, every guest that comes on the show. The first one is, what is one thing that you are loving right now? Loving right now? 
Mm-hmm. Mm. I am loving how the planet is waking up. It is yes. so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm so excited every day. I look at my DMs and like people send me all this stuff about like just awakening. And I'm like, yes, people are becoming more of what I felt my whole life. Like you start to realize that everyone is like a family member. You start to notice, Mm -hmm. oh God, I'm not alone. And my tribe is around me. It's just, it's so exciting right now. It really is. Yes. I love that. Same, same. (laughs) Such an honor to be here at this time. Isn't it? Wow. I know. know. (laughs) Okay. What is one thing that turns you on? My career my purpose. I literally could not be more excited, blessed, and grateful to do the work that I do in the world. It really makes me cry thinking about it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so beautiful. I really feel really? it. Well. <laughs> oh, babe. <laughs> okay. And when was the last time you experienced magic? Oof, that's a great question. Oh, um, I experienced magic when I was in Wyoming last month. It was crazy. I felt divinely guided to go on this trip for no reason. Um, and I knew I was going to meet some special people. And I started having these incredible conversations with these strangers. And I was like, I felt like God dropped in and I was like total alignment. And since that moment, it's like this love and trust just grew and grew and grew. And I was like, this is the future. This is what's going to happen. As we all awaken, we're going to be like, oh, I recognize you as a soul. I mean, it was so exciting. I can't even really put it into words, but Divine wow. moments, divine moments. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love you so much. Thank you so much for this magical conversation. Where can everyone come and get to know you more, watch your content, come and enroll in your course? Oh, well, thank you for having me. I um, The easiest thing is to go to CandiceVandel.com. On YouTube, it's Candice Vandal. On Instagram, it's Candice Vandal. My courses are all on my front page of my website. So I try to make it really easy for people just to navigate and see what they want to look through. And um, we are enrolling now. So if anyone is interested in that or my monthly membership for highly sensitive people, it's all right there for you to check out. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And we're going to head into my membership now and answer a couple of questions from our goddesses, which I'm so excited about. But for everyone else, thank you so, so much. So beloveds, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Hope you got some breakthroughs and some aha moments. If you liked it, please do share on the gram, tag me, tag Candice, and please leave us a review so that we can reach more beautiful souls like yourself all over the world. Okay, my loves, I hope you have a beautiful week filled with love, sex, and magic, and I'll see you next time.